0: when I was a kid, it just seemed like there were certain things this time of year was all about, you know? There were certain things that Christmas season was all about. I think about, obviously, growing up a Christian home for me, Jesus was, you know, highlighted was this is about Jesus, and you know, this Christmas season is about his coming, and all of that, and and that was sort of the foundation, but there were also all these other sort of emotions, and feelings, and things going on during that season, and I think there was just such a wonder to it, you know? Like, as a kid, everything just seemed big, and everything, seem kind of exciting, you know, like obviously you're celebrating the wonder that Jesus came, but but also there's like lights everywhere, you know, and there's trees and there's all this amazing stuff, and as a little kid, you know, actually as a, as a, as a rather pudgy, surprisingly hairy little kid, um, I remember looking around at just all these lights everywhere, and we'd be driving out on the street, and I would be, you know, calling out all the different houses that had lights on them. I used to love to light the Christmas tree in our home, and I used to love to help my dad decorate the outside of the house, and so just that wonder and that awe, of that time, you know? Um, also, Christmas music. I love Christmas music. I actually listen to it all year long, despite what our social media team posted a few weeks back. Um, you can listen to it all year long, so don't listen to them. They don't know what they're talking about. Um, it is so great just to be listening to that music. I love being in that spirit and that excitement. Also, presents. You know, the presents would start making their way underneath the tree. My parents would start kind of putting them out slowly but surely, and that was kind of like a loving form of torture, you know, because there they are, but you can't have them yet, and you're like, oh man, I'm so excited about unwrapping them and did I get what I want? And so you're kind of wondering what's yours and what's not yours and and did you get the things you asked for? Also family, man. Family was such a great thing, you know, just having everybody together. I kind of have that personality, like the more the merrier. So I love just having like our, our house full of different family and friends and loved ones. Um, I still love that, just being with people. And um, I remember years and years ago, man, my, my, gra- my great-grandparents both lived to their late 90s. And so they would be at these events, and, and they were kind of crazy, i got to be honest. And my great-grandfather once said to me, um, Doug, close your, close your eyes and hold out your hand. And I encourage you not to ever do this with anyone, but especially on anyone over the age of 95. Okay, I'm just going to throw that out there, okay? So I put my hand out, and I close my eyes, and all of a sudden I feel something moist and like, kind of like uncomfortable in my hand and opened my hand up and it was a peach pit he'd been sucking on. And I was like, Merry Christmas to you too, Grandpa, you know? (laughs) What am I supposed to do with this, you know? But as gross as that is, man, there are just so many great, kind of like exciting, fun memories when you're that age. And then it's, I don't know about you guys, but isn't it true that as we get a little bit older, some of that awe, some of that wonder starts to just kind of wear off. So it kind of like becomes a little bit harder to grasp, a little bit harder to, to chase. It's almost like when you're a kid, awe and wonder chase you. And when you're an adult, you have to try to chase it, don't you? Because suddenly, this season becomes about very different things when we're adults, right? Suddenly, it's about, oh gosh, it's it's stressful, right? Right? I mean, it's it's about all this stuff we got to do, right? How many of you guys have all your Christmas presents? Just raise your hand right now. You have them all. Okay. I despise all of you who just raised your hand. Okay. Now, how many of you guys haven't started yet? Just be honest. Yeah. 7-Eleven, Christmas Eve. That's what's going on right here. (laughs) Merry Christmas, honey. Here's a taquito. Like Right? Yeah, that's what's going to happen. I know. I know. Okay. And you know what? It's busy, it's stressful, there's so much going on, right? And I think about the sadness that sometimes accompanies this season, right? You know, just because, well, I guess on the one side you have people who know why they're sad, you know? They're going through hardship, there's, there, there's this season that we're walking through where we're missing someone that was with us last Christmas and that kind of stuff. But, but for some of us, we're just sad and we don't know why. We can't even put our finger on it, but around this time of year, almost every year, we just get sad. And we're trying to figure out what is this all about? I don't know if you're aware of this, but statistics say that 2018, all-time high. Well, not all-time, but 50-year high for suicides in our nation. 128 people every day taking their life in America this year. And sometimes what's supposed to be this magical, wonderful time of year highlights the sadness and the brokenness of where we are you know? And because it's supposed to be so magical and so amazing, and it's not, it almost highlights what we wish were true of us, but isn't true of us. And it reminds us of the gap between what we wish is and, and what we know is. And so sometimes this can be a really sad time of year. For some of us, we're just going through deep pain. Some of us are, are walking through some fear right now. We don't know what this next season is going to hold for us. And you're going, Doug, why are you bringing all of this up? Well, I'm bringing all this up because we kind of look at the first Christmas and we think, man, that first Christmas was so magical, so, so amazing, so wonderful, so beautiful, and it was. But we forget that the people involved in the very first Christmas felt all the same emotions I just brought up. We just don't think about that too much. We don't look at that side of it. You know, along with that, along with the sadness, along with the stress, along with the busyness, along with some of the fear of the that the people felt in that first Christmas, they felt a couple other things too. They felt troubled at times. you know that? Some of you guys in this season, you feel a little bit troubled. Maybe you're here for the first time or maybe you've come for a while and you're trying to figure out what you believe about Jesus and it's kind of troubling to you. Maybe, maybe, maybe it's not troubling, but maybe there's this questioning side of you right now. You're trying to figure out if all this stuff about Jesus is true. Now, once you get past the presents and all the family and all the fun, Did Jesus really come? Can I take Jesus seriously? Did God actually come to rescue us all? So some of you are there right now. And what's so encouraging to me is that stress, busyness, sadness, pain, fear, trouble, and questioning can all be found in the very first Christmas story. It's just not like the cute stuff you put on your manger on your piano at home, right? Like that's not really found anywhere. But it was incredibly real, and the reason I bring all of this up is because so often in our lives here and now, sadness, trouble, busyness, pain, stress, questioning, all those things, they tend to win the day in our scenario. They tend to overrule in our scenario. They tend to own our Christmas season, don't they? And you know what? In the very first Christmas, the same potential was there, but that stuff didn't win, In fact, the exact opposite of those things won. The exact opposite of those struggles, of those emotions won. And so we're going to talk about this today because this is such a beautiful time of year and none of us want to go through this season sad or stressed or busy or troubled or questioning or fearful, right? We want to go through this season kind of with that awe and that wonder that we once had even maybe as a kid and today I want to remind us How available that is to us. You may be saying, Doug, but you're cheating. You're talking about the Christmas story. There's no way we could ever find the same amount of awe, the same amount of joy, the same amount of amazement that they had that first Christmas. Well, I want to remind you today that Mary and Joseph were real people who lived in a very real, broken world just like you and I do. And they struggled with many of the same emotions you and I do. And yet, something else won the day. And so we're going to look here at a few different perspectives today and see this Christmas story, I pray and hope, through a new set of lenses here. So let's look at Luke chapter 1, verse 26 says this, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of David. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, Greetings, you are highly favored. The Lord is with you. Mary was greatly excited. That's not what it says, right? Mary was greatly amazed. Mary was instantly awestruck. Now it says, Mary was greatly troubled. See, we missed that part of the story, didn't we? Mary was greatly troubled. And so Mary's initial response to this amazing news that Jesus was coming is that she's actually troubled by it. Isn't that interesting? It goes on, it says, And she wondered what kind of greeting this might be. And so at this first Christmas, with this first encounter, with this supernatural situation that we all look at and go, oh man, how amazing must have this been for Mary. How how, how tremendous and how wonderful. Her first reaction was, I'm troubled by this. Some of you in this room today, maybe you're working through some of that. You feel kind of troubled by this. What do I do with Jesus? Is he the savior of the world? Can I take him seriously? Or... Am I really supposed to, like, save myself? Am I supposed to be just a good person who rescues myself? Like, what do I do with all this? But I find comfort in the fact that right up front, we see Mary is a person like you and me who was troubled by some of the things that might trouble you and I in this season. Luke 1, verse 34 says this. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I am... Oh, I skipped some verses here. Let Let me jump back here. Verse 30. But the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary. You found favor with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son. You are to call him Jesus. He will be great and will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over Jacob's descendants forever. His kingdom will never end. And I'll tell you what, if Paul was still up here and we had the piano playing and he was playing not behind me, we were all holding a candle right now and I read those verses, there would be like, we get goosebumps, we feel all like fuzzies inside, right? Because those verses just kind of take us there. But do you know what? Mary's not feeling warm fuzzies right now. She's not holding a candle. This is, Paul's not in the background playing the keys, right? Like, this is, this is the real world. In fact, look what it says here in the next part. How will this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. Isn't that interesting? Mary's second response to this amazing news that Jesus was coming was questioning. She was questioning all this. So she starts out troubled, and then she moves to questioning how will this be? Because Mary knows a few things. She knows that virgins are not pregnant. She knows that she is engaged to be married to Joseph. And what is he going to think? What everyone would think if they were in his shoes, right? And, they, and she also knows that there's an entire community of people that she's involved in that knows this is scandalous. What are they going to think? And so Mary's in this intense time of questioning and fear. Some of you are right there as well. You're in a questioning season, trying to figure out what you believe about Jesus, trying to figure out if he can be trusted, trying to figure out if all this could actually be true. As some of you are maybe in a time of real fear, of transition, of, of I don't know what's next, and I don't know what the answers are for this next season in my life. And Mary is living that like we probably would never even imagine. Probably never experienced the depths to which Mary is working through this. And so think about it. Mary's first responses to this Christmas story is troubled and questioning. Now, let's just kind of quickly switch gears to see what Joseph must be feeling during this time. It says in Matthew 118, this is how the birth of Jesus the Messiah came about. His mother Mary was pledged to be married to Joseph, but before they came together, she was found to be pregnant through the Holy Spirit. Because Joseph, her husband, was faithful to the law, and yet did not want to expose her to public disgrace, he had in mind to divorce her quietly. So here is Joseph. And again, we always kind of just think of Joseph once Jesus is here and all is well. But guys, imagine, put yourself in Joseph's position. We know he's wrestling right here. We know he's trying to figure out how to divorce Mary without disgracing her, which tells us a couple of things. It tells us that he really cared for Mary. It tells us he really loved her because if he didn't love her, he would have just disgraced her and cast her off, right? But he's trying to figure out how can I break this relationship because she's been unfaithful, so he thinks at the time, but still protect Mary. And you know what that means? Joseph's got to be heartbroken here. Joseph's got to be sad here. There's got to be a tremendous amount of pain that Joseph is feeling in the midst of this. And yet, is it the pain Is it the sadness? Is it the troubling or the questioning that wins the day in this Christmas story? No. Something very else, something very different, rather wins the day. Some of you guys are right there right now. Go, man! I, I, I gotta tell you, Doug. It just feels like my sadness is winning the day. It feels like my pain is winning the day. My questioning, my trouble, my fear. I don't know how to break free of this stuff. I don't know how to go through this season any differently, Doug. It's like I get here every year and this is what I'm faced with again. Well, let's see how this all plays out. Let's see what God does in the midst of all of these same emotions and struggles that you and I feel as well. Back to Mary's part of the story. We left her off when she was questioning. And it says this in Luke 1.35, The angel answered, The Holy Spirit will come on you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the Holy One to be born will be called the Son Of God. And so the angel very clearly explains, Mary, this is going to be a miracle. This is going to be a God thing. God's going to do the impossible in you, Mary. That's how. And I love that there are answers to our questions in Jesus. If I could just encourage you today, if you're in that phase like Mary of questioning right now and trying to figure out if Jesus can be trusted, God is not afraid of your questions. He's not afraid of your questions. In fact, God is not afraid of your questions because he knows the deeper you dig, the more of him you'll find. That's the truth. And so he's not intimidated by your questions. What I love about this is that Mary, here has these questions, and you know what the angel did not say in response to her? I'm so thankful that Luke chapter 1, verse 35, the angel did not say this. You know what, Mary? Because of your questions, you are no longer going to be the mother of Jesus. Right? I'm actually gonna knock on the door next door. I believe her name's Pam. I'm gonna go knock on Pam's door. Right? Right? Mary, you were this close, Mary. Right? Not what happened. Why? Because God's not afraid of our questions. He's okay with us coming and saying, I don't get it. What do you mean? How can this be? And the angel says, This is how this will be. This is what God will do. God's not afraid of your questions. He knows the more you dig, the more of him you'll find. Conversation goes on in Luke 1, verse 38. Mary says this, I am the Lord's servant. She answered, May your word to me be fulfilled. And then the angel left her. Mary embraces God's plan. You ready for this? Starts out troubling, questioning, but now surrendering. Is anybody here in the room... Got to choose this right now. Okay, I've been really troubled. I've been questioning God in a lot of different areas of my life. Does anybody now have to arrive today, here in this Christmas season, at surrendering? I'm going to surrender maybe my whole life to God. Maybe you're here for the first time. We just sent out 5,000 mailers to, the, to our direct area here in Hopak. And maybe you're one of those people who got that mail this week and you're sitting in this seat going, man, I'm trying to figure out God and Jesus and all this stuff. And, and maybe the move for you is to say, all right, God, I don't know all of this. I don't have all the answers. I certainly don't have you figured out yet, but I'm gonna surrender to you. I'm gonna surrender all of my objections and all my fears, and, and I'm gonna say, God, if you're there and you're real, would you just do something so unmistakable in my life? Would you show me you're with me? Or maybe it's not that you're not a follower of Jesus at all. Maybe you are a follower of Jesus, and there are those areas of your life that you've been troubled by, that you've been questioning in. Maybe you've found yourself like Joseph in deep pain, deep sadness. And now today is the day to say, God, I don't get why I went through all that, but I'm going to surrender to you. I'm going to surrender to your plan. I'm so glad Mary did that, though she did not know what the future held at all. At this time, she has not had a conversation with Joseph yet, doesn't know if he's going to leave or stay. And yet she surrenders. As we kind of summarize Joseph's story, thankfully Joseph also hears from an angel that, no, 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 this, Joseph, it's okay. Mary has not been unfaithful to you. This is, this is God. And he too surrenders. So we have Mary going from troubling, questioning to surrendering. We have Joseph going from pain, sadness to surrendering. You see, the kinds of things that can win out in this season when we allow them to, when we choose them, God so wants you to choose surrender over pain. He so wants you to choose surrender over being stuck in your troubling and maybe your questioning or your fear. And so we're going to move on a little bit here and continue to walk with these very real people through this very real story. So Mary goes and has a conversation with her cousin Elizabeth, and she's just overwhelmed by all that God's done. And look at what it says in Luke 1:46. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Savior. For he has been mindful of the humble state of his servant. From now on, all generations will call me blessed. For the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. His mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation. He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. And she goes on for another four verses of straight up worship and praise. Ready? Troubling, questioning, surrendering, worshiping. Some of us, Need to find ourselves right here, worshiping, choosing in the middle of our trouble, our sadness, our pain, to surrender and worship God, to remember that in the midst of all this, just like Mary, in the midst of all this confusion, in the midst of all this trouble and pain, God is doing something amazing, something mind-blowing, and this is where we have to look back, maybe to that very first Christmas, and say, I am in a lot of pain, I'm going through a lot of trouble, but Jesus has done the impossible, Jesus has done the mind-blowing, and so I will worship him, though I am still in pain, I will worship him, though I am still questioning, I will worship him, though I am still working through all of the stuff going on in my life. Because he's that good. Because he, with his mighty hand, have performed mighty and powerful deeds. Anybody here today need to say, you know what, I'm going to choose worship. Worship is going to win this Christmas. I will not let my circumstance win this Christmas. I love that Mary chose to see what God was up to and to surrender to it and to worship. But our story isn't over yet. Because... There was this whole other lens we have to look through that brings the whole story together. You see, as many of us know here in the room, there was a census ordered by the government, which meant everyone had to return to their hometown to be accounted for. And so this is where we pick up the story in Luke chapter 2, verse 4. It says this, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And again, guys, we all look at this and all we feel is the magic of the story, you know? Oh, how cute, you know? Joseph and Mary, they're gonna go on a little journey and she's pregnant. She's probably got that little belly going on. It's just so cute, you know? Guys, it was 85 miles. This was an 85 mile journey. This wasn't a little cute walk across town. They had to travel 85 miles to Bethlehem where Joseph was from. And I'm telling you this, it's not an 85-mile journey like we're used to. This is not like us to Philly in our nice car, you know, and we jump in and we put on some music and we're comfy and we got some nice seats and we got rest areas along the way and we can stop and we get Starbucks or Cinebog or Chipotle or whatever according to her, you know, cravings in the moment. I don't know, you know, and so... As they're going along, like, that wasn't happening, okay? It's an 85-mile journey, and they're possibly walking this thing, and at the very best, she's on like a donkey or something. Now listen, many of you in the room have given birth. You are my heroes. You ladies are amazing, incredible, what you go through. But I just ask you a question. If you were, I don't know, eight months pregnant, how does an 85-mile journey sound? I was actually on the way out. I saw one of the ladies that attends our church, who was right about there. She's right about eight and eight and a half months, and, and she was walking out the hallway. and, and uh, I almost did an invitation. I stopped myself right there. I was like, "That's that's dangerous ground right there." And so she, she's walking through the hallway, and, I, and and I just looked at her. I said, "How's an eighty five mile eighty five mile journey sound?" And she's like, "I don't. I can't even walk around the mall." <laughs> she's like, "I'm done," you know. And so. Here is Mary in this very real world on this 85-mile-an-hour, well, that would be great if it was a mile-an-hour, but 85-mile journey, and man, guys, you want to talk stress? You want to talk busyness? That's where some of us are living right now. But in this first Christmas, I can't even imagine the stress and busyness of what her and Joseph went through as they continued on in this journey. It goes on in verse 6, While they were there, a time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Again, we love these, these verses. We sing these verses, away in a manger. right? We, we do the whole thing, right? But you know what? As many of us know here in the room, when, when Mary placed her baby in, in the manger, that, that, that was a feeding trough, Right? That cattle and some horse had, had eaten their lunch out of that earlier in the day. And that this, you know, this area she was in was most likely not the beautiful little like barn-looking thing you have on your piano at home. It's, it was probably a cave. And, and there they are in the midst of that. In the midst of that brokenness and pain. I'll just go back to the ladies in the room who have given birth. Um, imagine yourself there. Imagine that's the environment that you're in. Are are you in that moment like, wow, God, it's so good. This is so much, you know? Like, it's a whole different range of emotions, isn't it? In fact, uh, I know, you know, childbirth, man, my... my Uncle tells a story about my aunt, who's one of the sweetest ladies you've ever met. Like, the, the worst word she's ever said in her life was darn, like just the sweetest lady. She said, when she was giving birth, she like cursed out the whole nursing staff, the doctors. My uncle went over in shock and like was looking down and he's trying to do the Lamaze breathing thing to try to calm her down. She bench pressed him and said, get away from me, right? That's right. And so this has taken place in this cave. And we're all like, oh man, the first Christmas might have just been so magical and it was very real. Some of the same levels of stress, some of the same levels of pain and hardship. And now, right here, this is the part of the story where kind of everything is about to come together. And we see through our last lens, our last set of eyes here in Luke 2, verse 8, it says this. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were Terrified, And that's how I want you to go through this season, absolutely terrified. But I actually have this sick thing about me. I love to scare people. I think it's the funniest thing in the whole world. And so I just imagine this whole scene with the shepherds. And a few months back, I was sitting on the couch in my house, and and Landon, my 10-year-old was walking in from the kitchen, and he didn't see me. So I ducked down on the floor next to the couch to scare him. He comes in the room, and I kind of jump out at him, and he throws up. I was like, oh, perfect, right? Now, you know who has to clean it up, right? That's right, Kelly. No, no, no. So, I'll go ahead, I got it right. But, but I just think of this whole scene, and we don't think about this enough, man. We don't think about the fact that the shepherds are out there doing the most mundane job in the, in the whole world in the middle of a, a dark, you know, field, pitch black sky, no light pollution from the city, right? And all of a sudden, this angel appears to them, and they are terrified. Verse 10, But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. I bring you, Ready? Guys, this is why Christmas doesn't have to be full of depression and sadness. This is why Christmas, we can choose something different. He says, I bring you good news. I bring you good news today that will cause great, what? Great joy for all people. And I just love that good news and joy are the two things that this angel talks about here. Okay, so, so like the shepherds, we can go and we can get into fear mode and we can be terrified and we can be thinking about what is this and what's the next season and what's God up to? Or we can sit back a little bit and listen and, and hear the voice of God say to us, no guys, I've got good news for you and, and all that this is going to bring is about joy. It's about joy. It's not about ease or Jesus would have been born in like the Hilton, right? It's not about ease, Mary. It's not easy. It's pain. It's busy, it's stressful, it's hard, it's fearful. But it's good news that brings joy. And you and I, we have to look back to this good news. If you're not a follower of Jesus, the good news is that Jesus came, yes, as a cute little baby, but one day as an adult he'd be placed up on a cross and they would drive nails through his hands and his feet and he would suffer and he would die in our place to remove our sin. And then he would rise back from the dead to rescue us. That's the good news. And if you're not a follower of Jesus, my heart and my prayer today is that your heart would come alive to this good news. You would say, I want to respond to that, and I want to know this Savior who wants me and came for me. But if you are a follower of Jesus, I pray that that awe and amazement at what Jesus did for you will be reborn. You see, we can walk through this season with joy, no matter how sad it is, because the good news leads to great joy. We can choose to focus on that and when the sadness comes and when the depression comes and when the pain comes and the trouble, we can then say, yes, I'm walking through this just like Mary walked through this, just like Joseph walked through this, just like the shepherds walked through this, but I will choose joy and I will choose to focus on this great news, this amazing thing that's been done. And so as a father of Jesus, can I, can I ask you to tap, on, tap back into some of the emotions you felt the first time the good news clicked for you? Some of you were sitting in this church. Some of you were sitting in another church. Some of you were having coffee with a friend. Some of you, your your parents led you to Jesus. I don't know where you were, but what was that emotion in your heart? What thoughts were running through your mind when you realized that this was real? Because that's the kind of great news we gotta tap back into and live every day of our life. That's the kind of news we gotta tap back into as we walk through this Christmas season because it leads to great joy. Verse 11, we get the message from the angels. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. I Just think about the fact that they were scared when one angel came out. Can you imagine when the heavenly host came out, which means a whole choir of angels came out and began to praise God in this moment? You know, I think it shows the wisdom of God. He's like, all right, angels, go tell everybody that Jesus is coming. Go tell the shepherds Jesus is coming. But let's just start with one of you at first, okay? We don't need everybody throwing up like Landon Jansen out there, right? And then go ahead and bring the rest of you out there. But I love that, again, in the midst of the fear, in the midst of the uncertainty, we find worship again. We find praise again. We find the angels praising God. And it says this in Luke two fifteen. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. Can we talk about this moment for a second? Because some of us here in this room would think to ourselves, there's no way God wants me because I'm a nobody. Or there's no way God wants me because I'm a sinful mess. Do you know who these shepherds were? Like the first people, aside from Joseph and Mary, that got this news. The first people besides Joseph and Mary that got to see Jesus, the Savior of the world. Do you know who they were? These shepherds would have been in the first century looked down upon. They were thought as unclean. That doesn't mean much to you and me today, but I'm not talking about unclean because they had some mud on them. They were thought to be ceremonially unclean, which meant they weren't allowed to partake in much of the religious ceremony of the Jewish religious system back in the day. So do you know what the message that's been given to these shepherds their whole life is? God doesn't want you. You're a mess. Go back out there in the fields and watch some sheep. Useless. And I'm here to tell you today, if that's how you walked into this place today, you need to know that the the heart of God beats for you. He loves you so much that every one of us are honestly unclean. We are honestly a mess, but that doesn't stop God from loving us and wanting us. And he desires a relationship with you, and I am just a mess like you that Jesus has said, be my child. That's the difference between me and you today. He wants to say the same to you. And so I hope you'd put your trust in him. I hope you're a fo- if you're a follower of Jesus and you've been saying, nah, he's, he is, you know, I, I did believe he wanted me, but now I've, just, I've done too much, I'm too far. No, he still longs for you. Let him transform your life as you continue to approach him. It goes on in verse 17. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told them about this child, and all who heard it were, what? Amazed. So in the middle of this first very real Christmas story, we find amazement winning the day they were amazed at what the shepherd said to them but mary what she she treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart so in the midst of mary's pain and hardship and being in the middle of nowhere and being in the situation where she gave birth no woman would ever want to be and i can only imagine joseph as the soon-to-be husband looking at all this going man what a mess I, I, i want to care for my wife i want to make sure everything's okay I can only imagine as the guy who wants to fix everything, the fact that they can stop and and choose amazement and choose to treasure this is unbelievable. And then it says this, the shepherds return glorifying and praising God. So we find more worship in the midst of this scenario for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. So what do we have here? We have a real story of real human beings who went through the same stuff you and I go through today. We have very real people who were troubled, who were questioning, who were sad, who had opportunity for incredible depression to creep into their life had they allowed it to brokenness, busyness, stress, fear. And yet, none of those things won the day. And none of those things won the day that first Christmas means they don't have to win this Christmas either. We can choose other things. We can allow other things to come into our lives during this season. Instead, we can look back at that first Christmas and say, you know what, one? Surrender, one. Worship, one. Joy, one. Amazement, one. The good news, one. Peace and hope and salvation, one. But dog, you're cheating. It's the Christmas story. It's the first story. Not cheating. Just like they had to choose it. Just like they had to recognize it. Just like they had to surrender to it. You and I have to and get to do the very same thing. It's almost like, on the one hand in these stories, you have all the things that exist because we live in a sinful, broken world, like sadness and brokenness and troubling and questioning and all that. But on the other hand, we have all the things that God has brought into this world, like good news and joy and excitement and amazement and wonder and awe and worship. Isn't that incredible? And the choice is, what will we choose Because it's truly in our hands at this point. If I'm honest, I don't know why, and I hate that it's true, but every single time around this season, sadness comes over me. I don't know why. Life's not perfect. There's a couple of things I guess I could say. Well, maybe this, maybe that. But for the most part, I don't know why it's there. And every season, I have to fight through it. Every season I have to say, no, I'm going to choose something else. And so my encouragement for you today is this. Choose joy, surrender, and praise this Christmas. Choose it. Because for some reason, when you're a kid, it chases you. Those things just kind of find you. But as we get older, and as this troubled world starts to wear us down a bit, And as some of the painful things we experience begin to leave some scars on our heart, we have to begin to say, no, instead, I'm going to choose joy and praise and surrender. And I think under the heading of these things, we really can find everything we talked about. I think if we choose joy, then we're choosing amazement, and we're choosing to treasure all that God has done, like Mary did. I think under the heading of surrender, we're choosing to uh, promote the good news that Jesus has come and we're choosing to glorify God. I think, under the heading of praise, we're choosing, choosing to worship God like those angels did and like those shepherds did and like Mary did. And in the midst of it, here's how this is going to play out. You're going to be going through your week this week. And you know what? It's the week before Christmas. And that means there's going to be a lot of stress and there's going to be a lot of busyness and there's going to be a lot of situations outside our control. And what we have to do is, in the very midst of it all, catch ourselves allowing the busyness, the stress, the sadness, the depression, the questions, the troubling, the fear to win. We have to catch ourselves right there and say, No, you don't get to win this Christmas. I'm going to choose joy. I'm going to choose amazement and wonder and surrender and praise and worship. So I wrote this message a few weeks ago, and I'm so thankful that I did. Because, as I said, I can struggle with this sadness through this season. And the busyness and the stress can can get to me through this season. This is like one of the biggest seasons of my whole, you know, you want a professional career here, is wow, Christmas, Doug, don't mess that up, right? Incredibly busy. And through this season, I've had to just catch myself and stop myself and say, no, choose what's better, choose what's better. And so I'm walking through the Trader Joe's parking lot. Jesus help me, right? People are psychos right now. Everyone's angry, right? There's no magic out there. I don't. There's no no like wonder and awe right now. No wonder of Christmas. Sorry, but I get to choose that, and so I can fight for the door like everybody else, or I could stop and hold it. And thirty-eight people going ahead of me, and I'm gonna be there an extra half hour now, right? And all I wanted was a wreath. <laughs> but I gotta choose i got to choose, and so do you. And so will you catch yourself this week and this season? And will you instead choose what's better? Choose those things, not that just come naturally because we live in a broken world, but choose those things that God came to give us. If you're a follower of Jesus, what are those things for you? What's your go-to? Out of the emotions and the struggles I brought up today, where would you naturally find yourselves if you don't catch yourself and stop yourself and and re-aim your heart? And what do you need to aim your heart at? Is it joy? Is it surrender? Is it praise? Is it amazement? Is it awe? Is it wonder? Is it worship? Is it the good news? What is it for you? And if you're not a follower of Jesus, today I want to encourage you to not put off another day surrendering to him, inviting him to be your savior, to forgive you of your sins. Because like I said, Christmas story is beautiful and wonderful, but it ends at a cross. It ends with our Savior dying in our place to rescue us and give us hope in Him. If you want to put your trust in Him today, I'm going to give you a chance to do that in just a minute. But I encourage you, this week, be very mindful. Choose joy, surrender, and praise this Christmas. Let's pray. God, we are grateful to you that you have given us the ability to choose these things. And you've given us the ability, God, to come around things that are so much better than what we naturally sort of end up at. And so we just ask you for help today. And so if you're a Christian, would you pray about that for a minute? What's that thing you normally just sort of arrive at? And instead of that, what, what can you choose? What can you choose to focus on? What can you choose to do with your heart? And I encourage you to choose things like joy and surrender and praise and the good news and amazement and wonder. If you're not a follower of Jesus today, I would love for you to put your trust in him. And I encourage you to pray with me now. Something like this. Jesus, thank you so much for dying for me on the cross. Thank you so much that it wasn't too much for you, God, to come as a little baby and to live this life that would end in in death and then resurrection. And all of that is so I could know you. All that is so I could be forgiven by you. Thank you for this gift of salvation, Jesus. Show me how real you are. Before we open our eyes here and we just stand and sing together, I would just love to be praying for anybody this week that put their trust in Jesus for the very first time. And so I'm just gonna do a quick scan of the room here. If you just look up at me, is there anyone here today that asked Jesus to be their savior for the very first time? i just love to be praying for you this coming week and throughout this season. So God, we thank you, Lord for your work and we ask you to continue to do beautiful things in each life in this place in your name, amen.